0: Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. This morning our second scripture lesson is Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20, which is not what your bulletin says. If the preacher decides to change the second scripture lesson on Saturday after the bulletins have been printed, he just has to apologize and keep going. Um, Fortunately, Will is very quick with the slides, and so the scripture lesson will appear on the screens. But if you have just received a new Bible, I invite you to turn to Ephesians, which is kind of near the back, chapter 6. Verses 10 through 20. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, And fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly, as I must speak. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last Sunday, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution ran an article about C.T. Vivian's ties. You know C.T. Vivian. C.T. Vivian was a contemporary of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. He's one of the heroes of the civil rights movement, and his friends used to kid him about always dressing a little too nice. Even growing up during the Great Depression, his mother and grandmother still had him dressed in tailored suits. And this habit lasted throughout his life, in fact. A men's group he was involved in met every other month, and the one rule for this men's group was that when you came to the meeting, you did not wear a tie unless you were C.T. Vivian. So when he died at the age of 95 in 2020, his children had to decide what to do with all his ties. This is what they did along with a note and a picture in a nice box, they sent them to his friends. The Reverend Jim Lawson, the Reverend Gerald Durley, the Reverend Alfonso Lyons, Jr., poet, Hank Stewart, author, Michael Harvey, graphic artist, Donald Bermudez, tech firm founder, Noel Adams, all of them told their C.T. Vivian tie stories in last Sunday's paper, and they all went something like this. When I opened the package and saw the tie, I remembered C.T. Vivian, all the times we talked, and how he made me feel special just by listening to me. Thinking of him and our friendship made me tear up. But then, when I felt the honor of having in my possession something that was once his, the tears really started coming. It's probably the most meaningful gift that I've ever received. That's powerful, isn't it? I'm glad they didn't just take all those ties to goodwill, aren't you? Have you ever received a gift like that? I have. Andrew Hickman was my neighbor back in Tennessee. He lived just a few houses down, and the day we moved into our house there, he showed up to welcome us to town. I had been pulling up carpet, so I was dusty and sweaty. The first time we met, he introduced himself and said that I looked like an old alley cat, which is what he still calls me, alley cat. Then he spent the rest of the afternoon with me, pulling up that carpet. Andrew is the kind of guy who shows up ready for a job like that one because he always keeps a pocket knife on him. It's one his grandfather gave him. That day I noticed it, and throughout our seven years as neighbors, I saw that knife again and again. On the day we moved out of that house and here to Marietta, he walked up, sat down next to me, and without saying a word, he placed that pocket knife in my hand. It's one of the most meaningful gifts I've ever received. Have you ever received a gift like that? I hope you have. It happened to me again just last week when I walked into my office upstairs there was a care bear sitting in my desk when I I looked at it, I I noticed that it came with a note. Uh, You might know that we have a wonderful preschool here at our church, and as I walk through uh, to go to lunch during carpool, I get to know some of the kids. One of the most precious is a little girl named Kate, who is three years old. Last year, she baked me some cookies. This year, she let me borrow her, her Care Bear. It came with the note that said, Dear Mr. Joe, you will love my pink baby. I love you. I have a flower on my dress. Please return pink baby when you are done snuggling him. Love, Kate. <laughs> have you ever received a gift like that? I know you have. Every year, we give a gift like that to a group of Third graders, we just did it again. Though it's not immediately clear that the gift of a Bible is just as significant as a tie from C.T. Vivian, a pocket knife from Andrew, or a pink baby from Kate. These Bibles, which we give them, are, are brand new. They're not the Bibles read by their grandparents, they weren't held by their uncle as he taught Sunday school, they don't have notes in the margin from their mother. The connection, the intimate, precious connection is not immediately obvious, so let me explain just a little bit. This morning in our first scripture lesson, Matt Burnham read, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And Joshua said to all the people, It is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did these great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went, and among all the peoples throughout the land that we passed. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Now, remember that when Joshua said this, Moses, the one who led the people out of slavery in Egypt, had already died and been buried. Who from those days was still around after wandering through the desert for 40 long years? You must conclude that many of the people there assembled didn't remember wandering in the wilderness at all, much less slavery in Egypt. They had been born in the promised land, and the promised land was all that they knew. Likely there were others who had just joined the group as they traveled or only after they broke ground. Yet Joshua here connects all of those listening to those days which had come before. Just as a tie from C.T. Vivian connects those who wear it to the march from Selma, Alabama or the great bus boycotts, these words from Joshua connect those who heard them to the historic struggle... For freedom. His words root the young and the legacy that blessed them before they were born. This is the gift of Scripture. The promise of Scripture enables us to sing. This is my story. This is my song. Even if it happened for some long-lost, distant relative, 25 generations removed. Even if this is the first time you are hearing about the great deliverance from slavery, you are an heir to the promise, a child of the Creator, a member of the household of God. You don't have to have been there to inherit the legacy You don't have to have lived it to benefit from the struggle. You don't have to be a blood relative to be a part of the family. You don't have to have done it yourself to know that it can be done. Consider your personal Bible and hear me quote again. It is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt. Just let yourself feel those first-person pronouns. For we are not the readers of history, but heirs ourselves to the promise. This is our story. This is our song. Now that's a powerful thing. It's a gift, is what it is. And the pages of those Bibles are the stories of our people. In those pages are the stories of fights won and battles lost, wayward women redeemed, arrogant men humbled, a father's love, a brother's hatred, stories of forgiveness, vengeance, good times celebrated, bad times that we made it through, and most of all, Within those pages of Scripture is the truth about a God who has been with us from the very beginning, knitting us together in our mother's wombs, and who will be there to welcome us through the pearly gates and into the kingdom of heaven. That's the truth. He never slumbers, nor does he sleep, nor does he forsake you. Why? Because you are his people. You are his child. The little ones know about it already. They can sing it. Jesus loves me, this I know. How do they know it? For the Bible tells me so. I learned about it here in this church. Mrs. Corley and her husband Jimmy were my Sunday school teachers. Hi, Mrs. Corley. Mrs. Vivian Stevens taught us to sing. This is a song she passed on to me that I can still remember, and I hum it to myself still uh, from time to time. It goes like this. I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. I am a great big bundle of potentiality. Newly back here in Marietta, just a few years ago, I sang that song again with Bob and Vivian Stevens in their living room. She had the pages ready and the music at her piano. She looked at me and she said, I knew it then. You were a promise. You were a possibility. Now you are a reality. And it made me cry then, it makes me tear up now because there are things that people pass down to us that make all the difference in the world. A tie, a pocket knife, a care bear, a song, the Bible you have just been given, third graders. We carry things around with us and they, they keep us going. Think about it. Think about what your your father kept on the top of his dresser or what your great-grandmother put in her young husband's hand as he went off to fight in a war. These objects have power. Why? It's not not the thing, it's not the object that has power, but the person who couldn't be with us but is somehow. A janitor named Tom Kiefer started taking pictures of the the items confiscated by Border Patrol on the border of the United States and Mexico. Those who journeyed up from Central or South America carried things with them like like toothpaste, combs, soap. Kids brought their toy cars. So many carried with them a pocket-sized blue New Testament from the Gideons. Why? It's because there are moments in this life when all you need to keep going is the reminder that you are not alone. You need a reminder that people, our people, have made it through hard times before and somehow they are still with us. Just as they kept going, we will keep going. Just as they persevered, we will persevere. Just as they ran their race in faith, we will run ours. But if you're empty-handed, how will you remember? If you don't know the words to the song, you won't be able to sing it to yourself when you need to be reminded. And if you don't know the stories, you'll think you are facing hardship all on your own. That's an actual fact. It's been proven more than once that children who have grandparents and know their grandparents' stories are more resilient than children who don't. And I don't have any data on this, but I'm still going to go out on a limb to say that if you know that while David was running for his life, he was writing the Psalms, and that as Christ was being crucified, he quoted one of them on the cross, you will be more likely to sing your way through hardship. Not only that, but if you know that God made this earth and knit you together, you will be less likely to throw yourself away. So here's the problem. Many Bibles are collecting dust. And too many Sunday school classes are half full or nearly empty. Which means... That we are sending our children out into an uncertain world, defenseless. That there is an armor for our children to wear, but they need us to suit them up. For the stories must be heard for them to, do, to, be, to have any good done. The songs must be sung, the ties must be worn, the pocket knives must be used, and the care bears must be snuggled. The belt of truth must be fastened, the breastplate of righteousness must be put on, the shoes must be laced, the shield must be taken up, the helmet must be put on to quench the flaming arrows of hopelessness and discord. If we are to persevere, give yourself, give your children every advantage. For the Word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amid all the changing words of this generation, there is truth. Despite all the misdirection and confusion, there is a road map through the wilderness. And no matter how alone we might sometimes feel, the words of Scripture remind us all of this one life-changing fact that enables us to make it through all kinds of hard things. We are not alone. For God is forever by our side. Hallelujah. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.